We have a special show today because we're going to add food to our talk about movies. And so last week we didn't have three people. We only had two for the Real Times Trio. We're making it up this week by having two guests. So in the course of it all, it will all even out. Yes, in the universe. We are going to talk to our guest from Cinema St. Louis and Tenacious Eats. Around minute 24, we'll talk about Linda Ronstadt's new documentary. Around minute 33, we will talk about official secrets. Around minute 48, we'll talk about the movies we didn't see, including The Goldfinch. Around one hour and one minute, we'll talk about the new DVDs out. And around one hour and 14 minutes, we'll talk about what's coming up. And around one hour and 30 minutes, we will talk about Angels in America at the Rep. So I'm Lynn Benhouse. I'm Carl Middleman. And our guests are Chris Clark and Liz Schuster, Chef also Liz. known as Chef Liz. <laughs> Welcome. Thanks for having us, Lynn. Thanks, Thanks Carl. Thanks. So you got a big weekend coming up, so tell us about that. Uh, this weekend is our fall fundraiser for Cinema St. Louis, and um, <coughs> it's kind of embarrassing, but it's... Um, it's about you. Yeah. <laughs> Here, I'll say it so you don't have to. Chris has been running Cinema St. Louis for 20 years. Yes. Artistic this is, director. This is my 20th anniversary of being artistic director and uh, the 20th festival I programmed. And we are um, partnering with our good friend, Chef Liz, um, at the Mahler Ballroom uh, in the West End to, and, <laughs> to do a Tenacious Eats event uh, with the film Dinner Rush, which was the winner of the Audience Choice Award, the first festival in 2000 I programmed that was fresh from the Telluride Film Festival, which happens every later day. So you are so loved. It was at a smaller venue. So many people signed up for it, they had to move it to a bigger yet venue. Yes. That's a good problem to have. Yes, it is. <laughs> it, it, and you've yeah. known that for doing Tenacious Eats for so long. Oh, yeah. I mean, the we, venue, getting the venue is the hardest part. Well, you know, and also it's understanding your audience, like who's going to respond to certain films. Like, we always joke that I'm not allowed to pick the films anymore. Because well, because <laughs> of the rights. Yeah. Well, it's... It's not just that, it's that I usually pick the weird art house films or, or foreign films about food, and usually people don't want to come out to see those. They want to come see, you know, the more pop, you know. They want to see yeah. Dumb and Dumber. They want to, I haven't done that film I yet. know. Well, actually, I was at the one where she did Julia Child, and it was quite spectacular. So Julie, Julie and Julia. Ju- Julia, yeah. Julia and Julie yeah. or the other way around? So that was fabulous, and then I really wanted to go to the Meatballs one. But I was otherwise engaged. I have been to two of them. I went to Chocolat, and I went to Fast Times. Oh, my gosh. So you got to see a big uh, uh, change, uh, though, because when we did Chocolat... That we, was back at the bar. Yeah, we were still way in the grove. Mm-hmm. And it was really small. We used to act out some of the scenes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and you had a host. He was hilarious. I loved him. We, we love... Uh, when we were small, we love it now too, but it, it, it's evolved and changed. And we did Dinner Rush back when we were that small. And we did act out some of the scenes very inappropriately, I might mm-hmm. add, um, because there's a lot of drama and chaos in the mm-hmm. kitchen in the film. Do you like that about the film, Chris? Yeah, it's, so, you know, a lot of, this isn't a, a super well known film yeah. no. other than it won these awards. Um, the director, um, also directed, you know, this is an odd, odd anecdote, also directed the Michael Jackson Beat It video. Wow. Um, has a bunch of high-end commercial video credits. Fight but, dancing. Yes. But also is a um, restaurant owner in New York City, and the, the film takes place in one of his restaurants. So the, the story is um, a Danny Ello owns this restaurant, um, one of his business partner in a racketeering, uh, you know, bookmaking <laughs> operation. They're getting ready to retire. They're older. Um, this isn't giving anything away. Um, the partner gets 
gunned down in the beginning. So the whole setup the whole time is payback. Um, but it's an exciting night in a very realistic in front and back of the house of a New York restaurant. And Liz and I love it so much because it's very much like working in a crazy restaurant on Saturday night. So will this be, yeah. uh, excuse me, will this be more of a Tenacious Eats event or will it be more like a Cinema St. Louis? Because I've attended those too. Yes. And I enjoy the before and the after. Time. You don't normally stop the film in the middle. You do all your stuff before and after. It's a um, <coughs> hybrid stepchild okay. that only Liz and I can uh, put together. We've partnered before, and I've yeah. actually hosted before on a couple of things and attended before, so you know I love the whole dynamic. So, you know, on the beginning and end, it'll be all about me. <laughs> but that's okay. But it's a Tenacious Eats event. Mm-hmm. Um, that so doubles the film will stop. You know, tucked in the middle is a, 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 some some type of live auction and stuff, too. So. Well, for those who don't like, know. You know, typical things that you do. For those who do not know what the Tenacious Eats event is, Chef Liz will show a movie and then about six times during the film, approximately. Uh, five. Five? Five. Okay. Five times during... Oh, because you eat before and after. All right. So five times during the film, they stop the film, and you are fed food that... Foodie food, by the way. Well, Usually. I, I call it fun dining. Uh, it's fine dining uh, elements, but we have to make it fun because it's fast and furious. We're plating, Have you done that one yet? Yeah. <laughs> We're plating <laughs> about 150 to 200 plates every 15 minutes. And so, so. During, during the film, they will pause the film. They will serve. Sometimes you'll do it while the film is going on. But mm-hmm. they'll pause the film and they will serve everybody something that is related to the film or the scene that you're about to see. And it is a very amazing, spectacular spectacle. Well, And, and it's fun. Yeah. And it, it, we want our, our guests to experience the film, to live through, through the, char- uh, the characters vicariously, you know, mm-hmm. so um, to make it even more visceral, um, sometimes it's literal, mm-hmm. you know, like what you see in the film, that's what you're going to be eating, and for this film, it was easy, you know, just... It's at a restaurant. There. There's yeah. so many courses and so many delicious things that mm-hmm. we literally are having a couple things that are served in the movie, including one course that gets served to the film critic played by Sandra Bernhardt, mm-hmm. that I have been wanting to put in my mouth for 20 <laughs> years, and Saturday will be the day. Nice. Well, for, for example, when I saw Fast Times, when Mr. Hand steals the pizza, we all got pizza. So yeah. it is, it's like that, but it doesn't have to be like that. It can be thematic as well. And for Pulp Fiction, you had the Big Kahuna Burger. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's it's very easy to pick the food out of the film. Sometimes it's hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've done a lot of films that don't feature food. Well, even even so. films about food. Yeah. They, they it's hard to pick something because how many times are you can have spaghetti. What, what's the uh, what's the Tony Shalhoub film uh, Big Night? Oh, which oh. I love. But, but, I love that but, movie. They're at an Italian restaurant, and they're mostly eating Italian food. How many how many ways can you do that? I think I think it's also like you pick the dishes that push the narrative mm-hmm. forward. So when we did uh, Big Night, Stanley Tucci the, also. Yeah, we had to do the timpano. We had to do the risotto because they were the opposite of the Americanized mm-hmm. Italian restaurant down the street. And risotto is hard. You have to stir it for like twenty hours. <laughs> takes a little bit of love, mm-hmm. uh, but we wanted to stick to our main character's narrative, so we did their food instead of the spaghetti and meatballs and right. and that kind of thing, but when we did Julie and Julia, uh, I'm going to be honest, I can't stand the Julie narrative. Well, most people can't. But, but Amy Adams is still wonderful. She, she made me not like her, <laughs> so she did a great job, yeah, I, I just... 
I couldn't get past her, you know, saying things like she didn't like eggs. I thought, why are you alive? Why are you still walking? You don't like eggs. Um, but instead, we had one of our chefs who's six foot four, you know, cross dresses Julia Child the mm -hmm. first time we did the film and kind of choked me like I was Julie going, <laughs> how could you burn beef version on? You know, smacking me a little. That's, now, that's what I miss acting out those scenes. What I learned about Julia Child this week, she was wrong in the 60s on uh, The Gourmet Chef that you should not wash raw chicken. It's yeah. bad to wash raw chicken. It's, she told everybody, and so decades people have been washing raw chicken, you should not do that because it just splatters. splatters the E. coli and the uh, salmonella all over the kitchen. It does. We've lived to tell the tale. We Our, survived. So, Chris, is what besides the uh, FET for you, what is coming up next on Cinema St. Louis? So we are right in the middle of the eye of the hurricane, uh, Hurricane Sliff, where we're picking, making final <laughs> selections for the film festival in November. So mm -hmm. it's a, a short two months from now, and uh, we have some big things on offer. We're just ready to cement a few more things down, and uh, we're making invitations and ready to buy plane tickets and get the whole machine going. So... Are, are you at liberty to say who's going to be uh, feted this year? I am not at this time. We're still working out uh -huh. some details, but those will all be coming very soon. But we do have some big, juicy year-end films that were at Con at Venice and Telluride, and you know, fresh stuff, fresh offerings. And a lot of the St. Louis film critics, that is the at the St. Louis Film Festival is that's when we get to see some of the movies that are not going to play here in St. Louis until after our awards are finished, and right. so we have to. We have to, so thank you for allowing us to go. Last year, I'm sure you all noticed that it was a huge explosion in the number of big year-end titles that we mm -hmm. had. We yeah. had over 20 um, studio yeah. you know, of that level of titles that um, in the past usually, sometimes it's just five or six, sometimes it's as many as 10 or 12, but 22, including new players, mm -hmm. um, Netflix and Warner Brothers that were new to the table, and they're keen on working with us again. That's good. Yes, that's, re that's yes. really good. The uh, so we will we will please you once again this year. I, I promise you. So okay. So it's November seventh through seventeenth, and a and lot of the uh, St. Louis film critics are judges on some of the some panels. Things that we give out every year: the Joe Pollock Narrative Feature Award and the Joe Williams Documentary Award. And it used to be called Under the Radar, mm -hmm. but after Joe passed. We named them, and then, well, after both Joes passed, we got permission. We asked if we could do that, and I think that's but a good... But Chris was friends with both of those guys. Yeah, and sure. it's, a, it's a fitting tribute, and we have a we have a plaque in the Tivoli for them, mm -hmm. and and uh, it's good because it just, it, it kind of, you want to do uh, those films in their spirit, you know, because they were so passionate about films, but they wanted people to get it right. It, it's for the right reasons, and other... Uh, at least one other festival I know of does something similar. The Cleveland Film Festival has one of their awards is named after a cherished longtime local film critic. And, you know, everybody knows each other. It's very, you know, clubby, professional, uh, nice, thoughtful, smart people that don't always agree. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's part <laughs> we of were world. arguing so, last yeah. night. Yeah. But this, well, is, yeah. this is our world. We uh, we have seen some films that we put on our year-end consideration, but not everybody's seen them. But some of the last couple of years, there's been some really strong ones. The Captain, and uh, and then they're from different countries, too. So for the best foreign film. And also, uh, you honor local people, which we got to see Destroyer. Mm -hmm. And some people got to interview Karen Kusama the director from St. Louis, and so that's always really exciting when local people get honored, and you honored John Goodman last year. Yes. That was all on our first weekend. 
So that was <laughs> yeah. that was all a blur, but very much fun. And he's I'm been always, in so much this year. Oh yes. yeah, I'm in awe of how much you get accomplished to pull all of this together. You need to see his board. And he let me see his board. Yes. That was kind of exciting. The board is full. Good. Now we just have to move the stickers around. So we're we're there. Well, for the St. Louis Filmmaker Showcase, it's all local talent. You either have had to grow up here, I mean, are from here, or you live here now. Just like if so, if there's a college student at Webster who's from New York, they still get to do it. And this year you had a record number of films, so how many films did you have? 151 were submitted. Wow. The highest ever before that was like 120-something. And they all have some sort of St. Louis connection. Yes. Wow. So why do you think that is? Why do you think there's this explosion in local filmmaking? Um, you know, the St. Louis scene has just grown and grown and grown. All the filmmakers have you know, worked tirelessly with each other. You know, it, it, after 20 years, I've watched, you know, a couple, not generations, but a couple series of Webster and Lindenwood graduates who was freshmen, and then, you know, I do their senior projects, and they graduate. Then it's a whole new set. starts over again. So I'm in, like, you know, third or fourth round of students already. Oh, but yeah. then those, you know, the ones that rise above, to keep working, sometimes move to LA or Chicago, but they all wind up coming back here to do something, including Cody Stokes, whose film that goes to walks is going to be part of the new filmmakers forum this Ooh. year and premiered locally at the showcase. It was in a couple other national festivals, so that's you know, one big huge highlight. Don't you think, Chris, it might be accessibility to equipment and the whole process? Yeah. Because I went to film school. Yes, I, I graduated I Columbia in Chicago with a degree in film direction. When we were working on our student film projects, it was actually cutting the film. Yes. Uh, video it wasn't digital. Yeah, it wasn't digital. Video toaster was the newest thing. Sure, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that was... Funky thing. Yeah, yeah, that was, to us, that was really, like, impressive. So, I, you do you think that the technology has advanced so much that it, it's more readily available? It, it's a double-edged sword with a happy ending. Um Film was expensive, terribly pollutive. You'd scratch it once, it's ruined. There are so many reasons why it was prohibitive. But with digital technologies that have changed rapidly, rapidly yeah. in 20 years, now that you can, don't mean you should, but you can make a, a very good-looking film with a phone now. Early phones could, but they looked crummy. Now they look professional. But anybody can. And high-quality, sharp, pro, you know, prosumer cameras are more available to anybody. So anybody can tell a motion picture story. Doesn't mean they should, but the, but the playing field is leveled that anyone on any income level can, and ultimately what we want is an exciting, fresh, original story. Um, at the end of the day, you know, there, we, we're, we'd like to look at stories. Um, there's a new show, I believe it's on Amazon, that is shot entirely on an iPhone. Because it's supposed, it, it's, a, it's based in Australia, mm -hmm. and it's on Australian television. I think it's coming here on one of the streaming services. And it is shot. It's supposed to be shot on iPhone because it's supposed to look like uh, it's their Instagram feed. Yes. Mm -hmm. So it's starting that way. And then I'm sure movies can movies have been forced to look that way, but now they don't have to look that way. Mm -hmm. And found footage, that is something that can make, like the Cloverfield films, mm -hmm. could be have been shot on phones if they needed to. And I'm sure... That's where we're probably headed. It just has to be appropriate right. for the story. But you know, the point is that anyone can do it, and so there's more stories being told in voices that might not have been able to do it this way. Well, I've been a, uh, on the narrative or the documentary panel for many years, and it, I've noticed the quality increase. But also, I want to give a shout out that we have more women now 
directing, good. which is good, yeah. and more women involved, which is really good. And uh, last year, uh, Jason Reitman came to town because you gave him an award, and, he, and we got to see his movie, The Front Runner. And you, uh, he had made Up in the Air, which is probably our biggest movie in a while that was shot here. And he was talking about how when he was flying in, how he... And going around, like, you know, he was at the airport, mm -hmm. so he remembered those scenes, and, and the Cheshire, he remembered doing the scenes there. And he had such fondness for shooting his movie here. So, so you uh, should do another one. Well, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, do you see that as a, that is a boon, like when we have some high-profile guys come to town? And Everybody always says it's greener here than I thought, and there's so many different architectural styles. I could be... Um, I think his words and the, um, the people that did uh, the Game of Their Lives, the ill-fated uh, soccer movie. Yeah. You know, they, you could shoot 20 different cities here easily in different neighborhoods. Like Vancouver. Yes. Just like Vancouver. Vancouver. But it's cheaper up there. Now, do you think Governor Parson talked about uh, reinstating the film credits back to Missouri? I know you think that's a good idea, but do you know why they went away? Because that was Governor Nixon. There was a glut of tax credits for everything and object and group. Mm -hmm. And there were just too many. Um, and depends on how it's handled. Um, it can it can ultimately hurt at some point to the, all the, the, the multipliers and all this fancy voodoo accounting they term. It's half right and half pie in the sky. Um, but the cap was so low here, it couldn't it could only track like one or a handful of things or one and it big didn't thing really snap that, at all. That's and not that thing. Was it didn't work. Heard of it. Other Midwestern states, um, Nebraska I think is one, there was um, <clears throat> tomfoolery behind the scenes and and people were doing illegal things and paybacks and stuff so their whole program got glutted yeah but they got an oscar nominated yeah sure that. <laughs> uh, louisiana um theirs has been underwritten for a long time by the oil and gas industry mm -hmm. so there's an endless pot of money there so they put a lot of things there florida's has changed and that's affected you know now they can tell that it's affecting their economy so um i think they're talking about bringing the when it, the cap ended when it ended, it was three and a half million. I think they're talking about bringing like as high as thirteen. Wow, which isn't as high as really it could or should be, but it will bring in you know a handful of more films. We'd love that. That's right. And the Kirkwood film is going to be shot this fall. Yes. So we got that going. And then there's also other politics going on, like people not wanting to shoot in South Carolina and Georgia mm -hmm. getting a lot of pushback. And especially, that's going to affect a lot of things. Because you see the Georgia Peach at the at the oh, end of a lot so of films. And But we're not going to talk about politics. Let's talk about films, shall we? Yeah. Yes, we'll get yes, on I, to uh, new ones. But I wanted to ask Liz, what, what do you have cooking after this? Well, after this, what we usually do is, before we Take really jump into... Yeah, I would love to, but it's not going to happen. Um, I am this year, though, making sure we always, before I go into what we're doing, I'm making sure that I'm going to be off for the film festival this year, for the St. Louis Film Festival. I usually have to work. Same and, here. I, yeah. I always have to apologize that I can't do it because there's a St. Louis hockey team that I work for, and they, they play in the middle of that. Yeah. And so I, I can't commit for an entire weekend because nine times out of ten, yeah. there is a game, and I can't do it. But we get busy in November, but this year I'm going to take care of myself, and I'm going to see all of the films I went to see this year. We usually sponsor a couple of films. Mm -hmm. Tenacious yes. Eats does. And I, Chris has like sent me text messages going, hey, we're getting ready to start the film you're sponsoring. Are you coming? I'm like, no, I'm cooking for something else. Um, but anyway, we uh, were actually 
uh, thinking about some different themes and ideas to carry us through the fall winter season, and I put it up for a vote. Uh, for people on social media. We have some oh. people who have been mm-hmm. pushing for the same movies every year. Like, we get the big push for Die Hard for Christmas. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> so, see, I can see Carl. Twinkies. Like, Ooh, yeah. You'd have to do a Twinkie scene. Well, that would be a great dessert, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we but it's in the middle of the film. The Long Kiss Goodnight is the only Christmas movie. <laughs> I love The Long Kiss Goodnight. Well, I'm a fan of The Ref, and they do have those oh, food scenes. yes. I don't know if we can make everybody wear the candle wreaths <laughs> on their heads. I don't know. I think that'd be quite fun and do the weird, bizarre food that she makes, you yes. know. And so what's that's, what's the next one? Um, I don't know yet. Okay. We haven't decided. Uh, we actually have an offer to go to a certain stadium uh, hmm. northeast to do an event there uh, just for their, their box suites. I can't name it yet because we're, we're not done with contracts, but... Um, Northeast United States or Northeast Missouri? Not Northeast United States. Okay. So, oh. And I'm afraid some Cardinal fans will get mad at me if I say what stadium it is. So. Okay, I can figure it out. <laughs> so right now we're talking... I've been there. Yeah, we're talking about what baseball film to show. Um, well, Fever you, Pitch would probably be the best one. Fever Pitch would be great. Yes, so you know oh. what team I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, well, made Fever it kind Pitch of would obvious. not be good because... It That's doesn't have an, It doesn't have a good St. Louis ending. No, it doesn't. It's after no. the 2004 World Series. Right. So I've even heard of a few films that may or may not star Jimmy Stewart. Um, and I said, you know, that's a great film, and it's a classic, but the film's the way we do it. It needs momentum to move forward. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to do a Tenacious Eats event for a sad film. Right. Yes. Bittersweet yes. ending. I, know, I you know. also know what you're talking about. So, but yeah. you, know, you know when people crying into their desserts, Bef- that would be sad. Before we move on, one last question. How are you going with Disney to get Empire Strikes Back? Oh, man. That, that, that is her dream you film. You should that not is. have asked that question. <laughs> we, were, we were talking about that earlier. We actually licensed it. And then when it was... We didn't know... When it was, was still going, Fox? Yeah. And we didn't know that it was going to be purchased. Mm. Mm. So we had to tell... We had one gentleman, and bless his heart, I, I felt his pain because he was so upset that we had... He had already bought tickets when they yanked the licensing, mm. and we had already paid for it. Um, he was so set on Empire, and... That was he, your dream film for a long yeah, time. I don't know if we can get it now, because um, there was a while that there was a moratorium on it for a few months, and I don't even know what that was about. Um, we've had people wanting to do uh, Harry Potter films. There was a moratorium on that for a year because of the new Fantastic Beasts that came out. So you're screwed for three more months. Yeah. <laughs> no Harry Potter, no Star Wars. Um, so it, it's just been, uh, you know, trying to find out what I do before I put things up for a vote on social media as I check out. Like, you, you see if you can clear them. Yeah. Oh, yeah, first. Because before. then you don't need something to win that you can never do. We, we had that happen with Star Wars, and we had that happen with the original Superman. Mm-hmm. We were going to show it in uh, April. The Richard Donner, 78. <laughs> yeah. The, Christopher Reeve. Christopher Reeve. Oh, bless his heart. So... We were going to do that, and uh, we started selling tickets because I paid for the licensing, and then they yanked it uh, because there was a new one coming out in June. That was quite a while ago, several years ago. But uh, um, I try to be very careful about that, so maybe maybe someday we could get that. And I've, I've made promises to so many people I know. I know Ann Pollock <laughs> and I were talking. One of my favorite culinary films is Who's Killing the Great Chefs of Europe? Mm-hmm. And it might just be Ann and I sitting in a room and me just cooking for the two of us at this point because I don't think any 
anybody else remembers that But it's movie. the spectacle. It's not about, it's only half about the film. It's about the food. That's it. We try to make sure that if the power goes out and we have to act out all of the scenes <laughs> <laughs> or read the screenplay, um, that the food will stand on its own and it makes sense. I, you know, that's another challenge is not just picking food out of the film. I have to make sure that the progression makes sense as far as a menu is concerned. It can't be too far all over the place. There has to be a, a general narrative that mm-hmm. it follows. So, and, and the food as well. Yeah, not no, I ju- mean not the, the, the food has to. The menu right. has to have a narrative. It has to flow. Yeah. So when's the cutoff for your tickets for Saturday night? When do you have to have a count for the food? You know? It's afternoon. Okay. <laughs> so well, as um, you're hearing this, it's already too late. Nope, well, we'll have, we'll, have it, we'll have it. We'll have it up. Yeah, we'll yeah. have it up. We'll, okay, you'll have it up. I'll this have afternoon. it up this afternoon. <laughs> yes, we did early this week because we have things going. Well, on. and I, I will talk about that near the end. Yeah. So, um, as long as we're talking about George Lucas and Star Wars, we might as well move on to our new release, Linda Ronstadt, The Sound of My Voice. Oh. And spoiler alert: he is not mentioned. It is so weird that it's a whole documentary about the life of Linda Ronstadt. It does not mention. Her dalliance with George Lucas at all? Well, she was engaged for five years. They had a him. ring, so so it wasn't just a little dalliance. But also, it's also the well. She was the first after he was divorced, and she was nominated for an Oscar for Star Wars. Uh, Marsha Lucas and George broke up. He started dating Linda Ronstadt, who she was dating Jerry Brown. She was dating JD Sal- uh, JD Souther. She dated a lot of. Famous people, and George Lucas was also on that list. And the other thing that is not in this movie, her kids. After she broke up with George, she adopted two kids. And they don't mention that at all. They mention her nephew, and they mention her uncle at the very end of the film. And you forget how big of a star Linda Ronstadt was in the mid-1970s. I had a Linda Ronstadt poster in my bedroom. She on roller skates? Was it the Back in the USA album cover? Um, no, it was a different one. It was the praying hands one. Okay. One of the, you know, one of those. One of my sisters uh, drew a mustache on it one time. I freaked out. I so mad. <laughs> but uh, when I was in college, she was uh, because uh, she started off with the stump ponies. But actually, she is from a very interesting family from Tucson. One of the early families. Her dad's Mexican heritage, but Ronstadt German. Her, on her maternal side, her grandfather was this inventor in Michigan. He invented the early version of the toaster. Yes. They yeah. don't talk about that. Yeah, either. he had like 700 patents. So her mother was really good in math and physics, and the University of Arizona was good for that. But she was right, they were right on the border. So they, she had, uh, since she was mixed heritage, she was getting the radio stations from Mexico, too, so... Her parents introduced her to all these types of musics. Now, when I worked at the radio station, I had an argument one time with Radio Rich Dalton. And he and I were talking. I said, I have a little less respect for people that don't write their own music. And I started saying, like, Joe Cocker. And I said, Elvis. And then he's like, what about Frank Sinatra? And what about all these uh, crooners of the old days? And I said... All right, you have me there. But it's it's that Linda Ronstadt falls into that category because 99.9% of all the songs that she sang, she did not write. They were other people's songs. And Linda Ronstadt, it's just the voice. Her voice is so beautiful. And people that had her songs, had their songs performed by her, 
said, oh, Linda's is much better. But Don Henley is in the movie and uh, recorded stuff from Glenn Fry saying that if it wasn't for her version of Desperado, the Eagles would have not been as huge as they were. No, so it goes through her early career, which is really fascinating because Don Henley was her drummer, and Glenn, Glenn, Fry, was Glenn the... Fry and J.D. Souther lived together as roommates, and uh, their neighbor, <laughs> their teenage neighbor, was Jackson Brock. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, there was a, a mingling of kindred spirits there in music. Linda was in this band, Stone Ponies, and she her first hit was the Michael Nesmith From band. the Monkeys, because the yeah. Monkeys would be... Network, NBC would not let them write their own stuff until much like season three. And so Mike Nesmith had this song, and Linda Ronsat sang it. And that was her claim to fame. And then she got this manager who said, ditch the other people. And she had relatives in her band, too, so she had to do that. And they they talk, they say, hey, Stone Ponies went on without Linda, but we weren't as good. And they weren't. (laughs) One of my favorite drive-in films of all time is FM. Yes. Oh, yes. She does Desperado yes. in that too. Yes. And that is and that is like so Never Sky show. Radio. <laughs> Never show. Um and that was uh that was like right after I got out of college. And Jackson Brown's in that too. And, uh, and you know, radio TV. So I was like, these people are so like in real life. You but, know? Yeah, but remember the main thing about FM was they were boycotting because the army wanted to buy advertising. Yes. And in 1979, <laughs> after after the Vietnam War, I mean, that's even five years after we're out of Vietnam, the Army buying ads on a rock radio station was a taboo. You don't, People would not understand that today. I imagine if someone watching FM for the first time go, take the money. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. They, did, they did a major concert. And uh, Steely Dan's FM is in the big... The very first scene where the morning DJ is trying to get to work and evading the cops. It's a great scene. And, it's a, you know, just a, a good movie. There, um, you know, like 60 seconds late, but, you know, he said, oh, that was a, a bit of silence for this. Silent Brennan, I think, is one of the DJs. Yes. Oh, yeah. Just, you know, oh. I love that film. So oh, much. it is. I'm so glad you mentioned that. Yeah. So in the beginning, when it starts off, you forget, and I mean, I had all her albums when we still had albums. But the, the you, greatest hits, the blue and the red, were the uh, there was the blue one and then the red one with just her face in a circle. That's all you needed. She sold out arenas before any other woman did. You forget all that, and then but the beginning it's so music laden, and then they have really good talking heads, and then she decided to branch out. She uh, worked with. Dolly Parton and Emmy Lou Harris, who had become a friend, and the females of that era, Bonnie Raitt and Emmy Lou, they talk about the male-dominated industry and how it was with the woman. And Linda broke all these barriers. She really was a pioneer. D- different drum made Mike Nesmith a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, well, and, you yeah. know, Mike Nesmith came from money. His mother invented liquid paper. Liquid paper, yeah. yeah. I mean, he was so, my favorite monkey. Just saying, because he was, because um, he was the brainy one. I like this too. <laughs> yes, his hat. And so you find out all about Linda's early career, and then they talk about Jerry Brown a little bit, yeah. very little bit. But she she didn't get involved in politics. But then, when Dolly Parton was here a couple years ago, it was the same night that uh, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child came out. Because after after we went to go see Dolly, we went to a bookstore to get it at midnight. Dolly. They, Dolly did a trio song, and she said, hey, I talked to Emmylou the other day, and I also talked to Linda. Linda 
misses you all and she's doing better. But she didn't say anything else. But just, just Dolly bringing her up, just she just wanted people to remember Linda Ronstadt because she has been retired for her the last, last like con- seven years. Her last concert was 2009 and she okay, officially retired. Well, but she officially retired 2011. Okay. So she's 73 now. And, and she's, she's okay. younger than Mick Jagger, so, yeah. right? But she but has she's Parkinson's. Yeah. And so you hear she doesn't, she's doing her own voiceover for most of this movie, and they don't show her until the last, let's say, seven minutes of the film. And so you hear her voice, and you hear her, she sounds like a 73-year-old woman who's reliving her past. And it's she tells a great story. Maybe they couldn't get any footage of George Lucas, but... Or maybe she didn't want to talk about him. And maybe she didn't want to talk about her kids. Because she's a big part of this film, besides the other talking heads. But then around, let's say, ten minutes left, you see her. And she sings on camera for the first time in probably a decade. One of her Mexican and she, songs with family. Now, see, that that's funny, too, because I remember the Nelson Riddle thing when she pivoted. Because she did, she did rock. She did disco, yes. and then she pivoted to Nelson Riddle. And I remember Saturday Night Live making fun of her, Robin Duke, and I think it was Julia Louis Dreyfus. It was like the 1983 season, and the, they were making fun of Linda Ronstadt doing the Nelson Riddle thing. And the, I just remember the last line of the skit was, "I can't do anything. I can't do anything that's popular because I can't do." What's new? Because that that was the name of the that was the name of the album, and it was really well done. And they had her, and then Lush Life, and she did all these things, and so she pivoted, and then she went into Mexican music, and so she and her cousin and nephew are playing guitar. She's just sitting there, and the camera pans to her, and she's just singing, and it's probably like a minute, and she still has the voice. And she does not like her performance, and she said she apologizes for it, and she doesn't need to. She was really good. Yeah. She just said she started noticing the different colors of her voice because she actually was very skilled at uh, knowing what to do, you know, just not come out and sing a song. I mean, she really put a lot of effort into performance. Well, yeah, when she did Tubbling Dice, she met Mick Jagger backstage, and he said, you need to do one of our songs because you have a beautiful voice. He said, you should do more rock songs. And so she did She did Tumbling Dice like that night. And then she did Pirates of Penzance, and they interviewed oh, yeah, Kevin Klein. Mm-hmm. Oh, Which really? is nice. Yeah, yeah, which was nice. Because so, people were making fun of her then when she went on Broadway. She, well, we don't need a pop star on Broadway. And she got Tony nominated. So so it's and very interesting. In the movie. It's 90 minutes, and it will bring up, I think it's going to bring her new fans. And Good. and I think they pretty much cover everything except they don't. And really, do we really need George Lucas? They they're kind of vague about some of her personal life, but you know. I mean, if you were going to tell a story about your life, who would you owe it? Well, our, okay, <laughs> plenty of people. Well, <laughs> our buddy Max, a movie said, "I guarantee when they do the George Lucas story, they will not forget Linda Ronstadt." Yeah. Well, maybe I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. He's married now, and maybe he, he just didn't want to. Well, he. Let's see. He was married to Marsha, then he dated Linda, and then he adopted two kids, and then he got married, and then he adopted another child. Right. So. His life is. 
Well, he's got four point zero five. Right. But, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. 4.05 billion dollars. He's, yeah. he's doing okay. And Linda, she alternates between Arizona and San Fran. So she moved up there for him, and then she stayed there. So uh, this film is produced by uh, James Keach, who produced that Glenn Campbell doc when he had Alzheimer's oh, yes. and stuff. So, so it's it's um, he does a good job, I think, because they cut to the chase, which I like in a movie. But also, CNN is the big producer of it. So even if you don't see it in movies, I guarantee it's going to be on CNN, just Unless like the there's breaking of- news. Okay, so Lynn, yeah, Lynn talks me into saying, all right, oh, watch the movies on CNN. Uh, no, they're getting into the biopics, because we, uh, in QFest, we showed the Halsted Doc, yeah, which is a CNN property. They're, they're doing, they, that's, uh, that's teased in the movies, which I had to get on demand because every time I would record it on Sunday night, which is what I hated about uh, the history of comedy, you'd record it, and then all of a sudden, oh, breaking news, the president farted. And so they break for every little thing, but they are a news organization, and I understand that. But I've set it up, too. I, uh, and, the, the, and then you the watch whole, it. The whole series, the movies, mm-hmm. for each decade, um, I can't tell you how many times I had to set it up to re-record. Right, or right? watch it on demand. Yeah, because it was just, you know, breaking news, this, this, this. And I, I have the utmost respect for, for what they do, and I yes. know that it takes precedence. But it, I, for somebody It's who, frustrating. It's frustrating. <laughs> the history of comedy that happened oh, so about cool. half of the time. It was. And, and then the movies. For only six yeah. episodes per season. And they still did. I was watching it out of context, and I couldn't remember which ones I saw because exactly. it was so crazy. There were only to twelve of them. them. I know, but it was really good. But but, but she will be on just like Gilda's and uh, Gilda's a duck, and also the Apollo Halston. Eleven and the uh, Halston. The one weird thing about the movie, Lynn got me into watching the movie. So I watched the '80s one, and I watched the '90s one. So they have different. They have '60s, '70s, '80s, '90s, and then they have. A 20-year thing, and then they have a 40-year thing at the beginning. So they just want movies. They just want hits. And the 90s one didn't have Star Wars. A cultural phenomenon of Phantom Menace coming out in 1999, they mention it in the credits at the end. Well, maybe they because of rights or something. They couldn't, well, they only, well they're CNN. It's, it's a documentary. It's free use. I don't... I, I think they have to yeah. still get cleared, but... I think they George did. Lucas is bigger than CNN. Well, <laughs> I'm sure his, he's his, buddies with yeah. Ted Turner. So, yeah. but they only did like one minute on Titanic, which was the biggest movie of that decade. So, I, I, I think you know certain films. You'd have to agree, though. In the moment when it's really big, doesn't mean it'll stand the test of time. Some right. films do not. They don't resonate the same after you know 10, 15, 20 years. So I, I feel like that's the way they judged a lot of the films. Mm-hmm. Well, like they spent a lot of time on Goodfellas, and they yeah. spent they do a Scorsese thing. They do Goodfellas and Casino, and then Michael Mann. They spent a lot of time on Michael Mann in the nineties. People because love of Michael Mann in the nineties. Michael Mann was hot, and then uh, but I was surprised that they included Raging Bull, which was eighties. Did 80s. you see the series? Mm-hmm. No. For the eighties, yeah, I was pretty excited. Oh, I, I, yeah, I was. I was like, oh yeah, this is one be best great. picture. Because that was the first film that, I it mean, the first... Oh, no, it didn't win Best Picture. Because Ordinary right. People beat it. And I still like Ordinary People. I'm going to stand up for it. But I know everybody derides it because Raging Bull didn't win. Yeah, but Mary Tyler Moore should have won for Ordinary People, and she did not. <laughs> you don't like Ordinary People? I love it. And that's why I always defend it, because people go, oh, Ordinary People beat out 
and Raging Bull. But Ordinary People is a really good movie, and Timothy Hutton is very good in that movie. And when you read that book, that if you read the book, the book it's a very good transfer of book to movie. Well, and it still hold it still holds up. But all that family trouble. People are still having all that family trouble like that. Speaking of real-life events, let's move on to the next movie, Official Secrets, which yes. is a movie that wants to be a lot of things. It wants to be <laughs> It wants to be The Post. It wants to be All the President's Men. It wants to be uh, Edward Snowden. It wants to be a lot of things, but it is based in Britain, and it is... So I don't know how much Americans are going to get into it. it it's, it's a talky. It is a, it's very British. Keira Knightley stars as a lowly spy. She she's a she becomes a whistleblower. She's a desk clerk, you she, know, doing. She speaks Mandarin or uh, Cantonese. She speaks Chinese, and her job is to translate. Is it Chinese or Russian? She she speaks multiple languages, and she just listen. She sits there on a headphone all day yeah. and transcribes, and she she's a spy. But she's a desk. She's not a. She's not a Jason Bourne spy. She is Melissa McCarthy in Spy at the beginning of the movie. She is a desk jockey, and her job is to just transcribe things. This is taking place in around two thousand three, two thousand four. Go Weapons ahead, of mass destruction. So the Remember United that? States, mm-hmm. the NSA, and the CIA ask the British government to get dirt on some of the members of the UN Security Council so they can use it to blackmail them to voting for war. I remember this. Mm-hmm. And that and she made a copy of a copy of a copy of an email that was sent out. So they don't even have the original one and she gives it to a person who is anti-war but the anti-war person gives it to the Guardian which is a very right-leaning newspaper but they still have journalistic integrity. And Matt Smith plays the reporter who wants to run with this story. Well, actually, it's the Observer. Oh, the Observer. Oh, sorry. And um, that's right. Yeah, they wanted Matt it to Smith, go. To the yeah, other. they wanted it to go to the Guardian first, but the Guardian just passed on it. And so they so they give it to the Observer. Just like the Pentagon Papers. It's, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. They, the, that's why a lot of people are uh, saying this is just like the Post. But the Post was well, the Post had Meryl Streep in it, and. Well, Kira's fine. I think she's fine, but it is very well. She's married. She's married to a Muslim, a Muslim. and which so complicates things because. And then the the editor at the newspaper says, "Oh," and then Matt Smith's trying to play, but he's a Sunni, not a Shia. And then they make a Sunny and Share joke because back in two thousand four, you didn't know Sunnis or Shias. You didn't know any of those. But a, a Reese Ifans, uh, I, uh, I, I, I no, actually, I went to find out Did how you? to pronounce it today because I've been saying Ivans the whole time. So Reese Ifans plays the outraged uh, old he's, school. He's based in the United reporter, States. He's, which is, he's in yeah, Washington D.C. Yeah, he. Which oh man, once I saw him, I was like, I'm set. <laughs> and then Matt Smith from Doctor Who fame is the reporter that finally says we're going to do this story, and Matthew Good is in the film, and also Ray Fiennes is in the film. He plays her lawyer. It, the, her getting a lawyer is just so weird, and because of the way British law is set up, since she works for the government, she can't talk to her lawyer about official secrets because she signed an NDA. And so because of her NDA, she can't have a lawyer, but this... 
um, it's it's a it, thing. Take it to judicial. You know, they wear the wigs and everything. Well, you know, no, I'm I'm saying that but... this lawyer, uh, this operation is kind of like uh, one of the, a project, mm -hmm. and they they seek out their is it the Liberty Project or it's 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 a do-gooder organization, and Ray Fines takes up her case and becomes her barrister. Which is a good thing because he's a tiger in it. Um, she, uh, they charge her with violating the Official Secrets Act. And they and try to deport her husband. And it gets really scary because uh, they're attacking her life. Obviously, her life's threatened. And then liberty because, you know, freedom. And then her marriage uh, because he's a Muslim. And so they just, it just gets really ugly. But uh, it does show that pretty much what she revealed was accurate and true. <laughs> yes. Because truth is the best defense. And so does, does it matter if you give away the ending? Because, it, first of all, well, it's, a British, all. it's a British story, but it's also a news story that actually happened. It's history. And it's, it's also history. from a book. So they start to subpoena all these government documents, and the government documents would support her claim, and the government doesn't want to admit that they were going to do this, so they drop everything. And so after after all this, because they, she can't get a job, she can't do anything, so basically she's, and then she's going to have to become a ward of the state, but they drop everything, and they want to keep, like, all these charges on her permanent file and just make her a persona non grata, but the government does not want any of that hassle. So her, they don't really say, they, they have the crawls, that the, they have the, types at the end and you see what's going on. And, and you see the real person. Her name is Catherine Gunn. Doesn't look like uh, Keira Knightley at all. No. And, no. and you also, <laughs> uh, it brings to mind the whole uh, Bush thing on the boat with the weapons of mass destruction. Mission and, accomplished. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so that brings up some unpleasant memories for the U.S. and for Tony Blair's England. Now, did you, did you like it? I thought the performances were strong, except... You have two great actors in Matt Smith and Ray Fiennes. They don't share a scene together. They do on the phone. And so they're talking. They weren't talking on the phone. They filmed them separately. So you have these two great British actors who I'm sure a lot of people in England would like to see have a scene together. It's a phone scene. It's a fake scene. It's a manufactured scene. But Keira Knightley is probably in about 85% of all scenes. And she... Every, She's beautiful, and she's a good actress. Yeah. So she. Uh, so it's a it's a good film. I don't think it's a great film. Gavin Hood is the director, and he directed Eye in the Sky, which I thought was really good with Helen Mirren. I love it. And it was about the yeah. drones, mm -hmm. and so that was more exciting. This this is not as Carl alluded to any kind of born movie. This is all talky computer stuff. Yeah. Gavin Hood came to slip one year with Soaks. Oh. Which ultimately won Best Foreign Filmmaker. As it, uh -huh. as it should have. Wow. It, it, it's, it's well done, yes. it's, it, but it's, this is something that's going to be watched in classrooms, probably, over in England. I don't think, over here, yes, we were the catalyst, but we weren't the, we weren't the antagonist or protagonist. In this people movie. will watch, younger people will watch it because Dr. Who's in it. Yeah. Matt Smith is yeah. he's and he's really good in he this is. film. He plays a guy named Martin Bright at the Observer. Better, hopefully, better than he was as Robert Michael. Well, <laughs> that, was, that was a miss. Now his 
character uh, has a complicated backstory that they don't get into at all. He had some. Um, he was like the Jewish editor for the newspaper and got into some problems. But that's the real life guy. That's not Matt Smith. And so what he did well in real life is depicted in the film, not uh, not his uh, pre and post. Official secrets, and it shows the uh, the old school newspaper. Like the editor comes out screaming, "Like give me five hundred words!" And and Reese <laughs> Evans is going, "It's not a five hundred. It's a four thousand word story." <laughs> <laughs> you know? So it's just kind of that, you know. And then you realize how old it really is because you know it's just it's like, fifteen years old. Yeah. Yeah, so... But they have, they all have computers at their desk, but they have giant monitors, really deep monitors, and they don't have, like, the flat screens. And, right. she, and she's putting things in to copy. Oh, she has a, she has <laughs> a floppy disk. disk. So it's that kind of thing. But it's, it's but good... But it's, that's it's, the period it's, of the time. It's a good exercise in reminding people of all that. I don't know if it has much box office. No. You know? This is a movie that be... This is a, this is a historical reenactment that yes. will be watched in schools. It's quality eat your vegetables type of stuff. Yeah. But it and it's and it's British, so it's if it gets nominated, it's because it's British. But I think there's so many things that it's just gonna bypass, you know. And plus we got a lot going on with the breaking news every day. Try teaching media to kids when you start off with a lesson plan and you have these things to talk about and then and there's a tweet the night before that makes everything and again. then it's just <laughs> you look at the news in the morning and plan your you know less and then you look at it at two o'clock right before class and you're like okay you gotta throw all that up. well talking about things yes. that are negated <laughs> we didn't see the goldfinch we no. did not and chris you read the book I like the book very much, yeah. And I was you looking do, forward to it. But. Do you think that it is, is this one of the uh, unfilmable movies, or one unfilmable books? I was curious about what they were going to do, because a lot of it is, you know, thoughts in people's heads. There's certain actions that take place, but it's all in, mostly in the, the main character, the Antelope's character's head. About it's, his early childhood, his relationship with everybody. But is that uh, Finn Wolfhard, is he the young version, or is he the friend? Um, Oaks Fagley uh, from Pete's Dragon is the young one. Okay, so Finn is his friend, and obviously the, the Russian, the wild and crazy friend. Yeah, I like that character. So the book is seven hundred and forty-eight pages. <laughs> well, that's unfilmable. And they made it into a two-hour and twenty-nine minute movie. And it was at the Toronto Film Festival, and it, it more than one critic has said it is the worst film of the year. So, Land and boring. that's why they didn't screen one. it for us, because they want people like Chris that are friends, fans of the book to go see it without any critics saying, this is awful. No, I shan't. <laughs> Don't. Well, you probably got a lot of movies to watch, but Nicole Kidman's in it. They, um, I heard a criticism that it's very miscast, but I wouldn't know because I didn't read the book, so... I think Elbert was miscast, but he's, you know, hot and popular. Um, and he's got glasses. Kidman works as the as um, the mom, and who plays the, his uh, mentor in the furniture shop? Is it uh, Jeffrey Wright? Yes, and yeah, that's I, a good casting. So parts of it were great. Uh, Elgar's just a little bit too young, rugged, too handsome. No, the well, he's he's got age, the glasses on, so he looks the smarter. Age is, the age is right. The age is right. Yeah. Sarah Paulson. Who does she play? 
I, I do not know because we didn't see. Him. Yeah, and well, oh, Dad, I, I know she plays his sort of semi-adoptive family. The, the matriarch oh, is she the, oh, the, the semi-adoptive okay. family? Okay, the um, Upper uh, East Side people. Yeah, the the yeah. mother of the mom he falls in love with. Yes. Okay. Because uh, I know there's some love story in there, but he stole a painting. <gasps> Stop it. Well, the great <laughs> Dennis O'Hare is in it, so I thought. I thought. Well, you know, Dennis O'Hare said, and it. he's very well cast for that. I know what character that is. The uh, the arch nemesis. Okay. So, well, some things are unfilmable. Well, no. Some some things, but I think also it changes so much when the medium changes. You can't. You know, I've gone into. We were talking about films mm-hmm. earlier that we love the book. But it didn't, you know, we didn't think it was cast well. It's because when you, you've already cast somebody in your mind when you read the book. Mm-hmm. So, of course, it doesn't make sense when you see the same character on screen. And, and um, you know, I think a lot is, is lost. So maybe you don't want people who love the book to see the film. Well, you know? we were talking Harry Potter. There's only, yeah. There is only one Harry Potter film that improves on the book. And that's the second one. Because the second book is just a rehash of the first book. Because she didn't know what she was doing. Didn't think there would be seven books in the series. And so sometimes, most of the time, the book is going to be better. Because it's already in your head. And it's it's different media. And so... The list is endless there. Exactly. Yeah. Well, the re- in recent years, I think David Fincher did the best job with Gone Girl's uh, book. Mm-hmm. It was... I thought it was perfect. Except the, there is the moment in Gone Girl when you find out what's been going on. When that, that and and when I saw the movie, I said, how are they going to do this? And they don't. Yeah. They, they, they don't. And so... There can be a big disconnect sometimes. Well, for, well, you know, it, for, if you haven't read the book, it doesn't matter. But if you do, then you're mad. Um, yeah. Right. It really clouds the, the experience. Well, like with as we were arguing yesterday, <laughs> uh, Max, Dan Buffa, and Lynn and I were arguing about it, Chapter Two. And the more I think about it, the more I dislike it because what they did to Mike, even though what they brought Mike in the book, Mike is sidelined because he's attacked by the guy, and so he's in the hospital for the end. And I like the fact that they bring him back in, but then they the way they defeat him is like bringing him down to nothing because they say he thrives he strives and is empowered by fear but then in the beginning of the movie there's the little girl with the uh, blotch on her face she doesn't fear pennywise at all and he dispatches her rather quickly it doesn't make it's i don't like it when films are inconsistent which is why Dan and I argued about Avengers Endgame so much because it is inconsistent it just they make up stuff for the narrative i just think I think Tim Curry will always be Pennywise. I had I I thought that Tim Curry was closer in my mind to what Pennywise looked like. But Skarsgård's so good as Pennywise. He is terrifying. I think he's a more terrifying. Uh, uh, the voice of Tim Curry creeped you out, but the, because that was there, also they, they weren't showing him. As much. That was also thirty years ago, right. and it was on television. Yes. Right. <laughs> this production but, of it was has been plagued, has been going off and on for like 10 years. And I'm glad they finally did it. I'm a huge Stephen King fan. This is Summer of Stephen King 2. Right. Um, the third season of Mr. Mercedes mm-hmm. just started on uh, audition. And um, <clears throat> Dr. Sleep. Dr. Sleep. And soon. Pet Cemetery in the spring. Even though, And he he has approved of all of these things he because he appears in It Chapter 2. And so therefore he has given his blessing to any changes that they've made. Normally he stays quiet about this. 
And he even said that he liked Dark Tower a couple of couple of years ago, because he thought, well, it was, I don't give me those looks. He said that he enjoyed it and liked everything that they said, because that's what Stephen King does. He he doesn't care. I have read all eight Tower books twice, and I will do so again, and it really changes everything, but there's enough uh, carrots for, for true fans that they do kind of mesh it all together, and I, I thought its world worked well enough. It, that's an impossible story to tell. Would it be, be a miniseries? That'd be three hours. But they were going to make justice. it. In, they yeah. wanted to make it into like a Game of Thrones. Would this have yeah. led into the Ron Howard Imagine Entertainment mm-hmm. uh, series? Would it, would that have worked better if they if it wouldn't have failed? Yes. Uh, I know. Maybe. I'm, trying to, I'm trying to stay. I I'm a huge Stephen King fan, mm-hmm. and what I have an issue with is how stories are being told now, especially the scary ones. I think there's too much that it is shown that isn't left to the imagination. It's not I'm Jaws. Not, it's CGI. I'm, yeah, like, I'm not scared by Pennywise now. I'm I'm really not affected by it. It turns into a spider yeah. like it does in the book. Right. Well, the second yeah. half of that just is all that CGI stuff. Too much, too much, too much, too much. You know, when they get away from the people, the terror, the fear. But I don't like that they switched Mike and the other guy that you were telling me about. Oh, Mike and Ben. Yeah. yeah. Why? Why do that? I don't know. We also He's did more popular actor. That's why they just you know what they want. But we all. But uh, Isaiah Musafa was great in that movie, and he he doesn't even look like the old Spice guy. And he he, we were saying we were arguing about that yesterday. They should give the old Spice guy more to do. I I just I, I, just, I love the old Spice guy. I like that. You know what I mean. People mm-hmm. are typecast. Right. But he's not yeah. He's not that in this yeah. movie. And he's really good in this movie. And I think that Bill Hader, because people, they want to like something about the film, and so they're they are choosing that they like Bill Hader the most. <laughs> and a lot of people say, oh, if it wasn't for Hader, this movie would be awful. And I said, you know what? I think all of the cast does a very fine job in this movie. And I think Bill Hader just has that... Uh, goodwill attached to him right now because of Barry and all the things because no one thinks that Bill Hader is an actor they think of him as a comedian they still think of him as Saturday Night Live and they're like oh wow and if you haven't seen Barry you haven't seen oh, the work Barry. that he's done I love Barry. but if, oh, but if you haven't seen that. that and you see his work in it you go wow this is not what I expected from Bill Hader you expect that from Jessica Chastain you expect that from those guys that are in the movie but you don't expect that from Bill Hader and so that's why I think he's getting a little more love than anyone else well I think I think Comedy takes so much more timing. It's much harder to pull off comedy than it is drama or scary. So I think it's easy for comedians, but what's not easy is to accept the comedians. Comedy's hard. Yeah. I mean, but you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. Bill Murray when he tried to do Razor's Edge. Right. And people went... Or Rushmore. Yeah. Well, then he translation niche. Well, yeah, but he found his niche with with Sanderson. Yeah, weird, quirky guys. When Raleigh Sinclair. Oh. <laughs> All right, we also didn't okay. see Hustlers. Did why didn't why well, did because he go? it's tonight? Oh, okay. Well, then no. And I'm seeing Man of La Mancha at stages, so I made the choice to do live theater instead of J Lo. And that's based um, and on a true yeah. story too. Yeah, it's a New York Magazine article. I wrote this one that went viral. It's about uh, these. Um, and Strip Julia Stiles is yeah. playing the reporter. I got uh, her name right. I keep getting it wrong, but it's uh, Julia Stiles playing keep, the reporter. We uh, keep mixing her up with Kirsten <laughs> And Claire Danes. And, but it's uh, Julia Stiles. <laughs> so um, they play strip club employees, and they turn the table on their Wall Street clients. They think that the men... This is based on an article, and they the, the 
strippers talked to the reporter and said, oh yeah, we fleece these guys every night. When they come in, we go through their wallets. They, they're not paying attention to what we're doing. We just rip them off every night. Which, so it's what they've been doing to America. <laughs> no, wait, I'm sorry. Um, yes. Yeah. I, I saw something about, uh, what's her name, the uh, female uh, rapper who's in it. Uh, Lizzo. Yeah. No, no, it wasn't her. It was... Uh, Aquafina? Uh, Cardi B. Oh, Cardi B. Yes, yes Cardi, Cardi B is B. in she, it. She was saying that she had been injured or something before, so she couldn't quite pull off the pole dancing. Because she was, was a strip. She was a former stripper. Yeah, and she was saying she wasn't up to her normal normal par and all this. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I I, I I don't feel sorry for anyone who would, you know, go to that kind of business. So well, the, the, I, she I, was yeah. working at Home Depot across the street, and they said, you don't have to get naked, but if you'd make twice as much money and she lived in a poor part of New York City and she needed the money so she went across the street. No, I mean like the Wall Street workers. Oh. You're okay with the strippers. I'm okay with the strippers. Yeah, no, I have, um, I don't judge people for what they do because if you got to make a living, you got to make a living. Her interview on Howard Stern is very revealing. She told all about her early life and she was very candid about everything. She's like, I needed money. I was a stripper. I didn't have to get naked and then she told the story, and then someone said, hey, because she would be singing at the clubs, and someone said, you should record. And now she does. And now she's an actress, and she's Cardi B. All right, what is Acarella? Well, uh, they had a last-minute screening a couple weeks ago. It was just thrown together like in a day. And it's a documentary, but it's supposed to be very visionary. It's by a Russian guy, and it's all about water. Aqua. I think it's a Barbarella. Watermelon. <laughs> I was about to ask. Did you see I it? I like that. I'm going to pretend that I didn't say that's exactly what it's about. I know I have no idea what it is. Okay, well, that sounds really like maybe it is. But it's supposed to be very visual. It's about, uh, they, they go from um, a Russian lake, and then they have Venezuela's Angel Falls, and then they go to Hurricane Irma, and they have all the terror of water, but all the beauty of water. Is this at the Science Center? This sounds like no. something they show. Yeah. Yes, it yeah, does. No, it's a documentary. And uh, it's a Sony Pictures Classics. Oh, oh. So, uh, yeah. we have, so that yeah. means we might get it. So it's an 89-minute water and ice are shown around the world in all its many powerful forms. And then they said, they so then I was reading a couple of reviews, and they said the beauty of Mother Nature, and then the movie is a technical achievement. Okay. Well, so there we go, that. but it made me want to see it, and I'm sorry I missed it. No, it is. It just started. See, so they can't it show it to us unless it's playing somewhere, and you have to be able to see it at a theater that it is playing. So it's probably Tivoli, probably the Plaza, Plaza Fountain. or Plaza Fountain. Yeah, yeah. All right, so let's talk about DVDs really quickly. Uh, big ones are. Well, they have something for everyone this week. You can either see Aladdin with Will Smith, or you can see John Wick 3. But I would recommend skipping Aladdin because it's pretty bad. See the original Aladdin. I, 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 we talked about this ad infinitum the last time. It's just... It's just no, no. Will Smith is terrible. And he's got that pony He's not tone. terrible. He's just trying to do, it's a Robin Williams imitation, and you're not Robin Williams. The thing about Robin Williams, as I said, go back and listen to the time we talked about this, but the Robin Williams, they recorded him first. Normally, it's the other way around. 
they recorded Robin Williams first, and then they did the animation to what Robin Williams was ad-libbing. This is Will Smith, and it's not just Will Smith as a genie because they changed that. Will Smith just doing Robin Williams. And I did like one thing about Aladdin. They changed the second wish because I always had a problem with the second wish in the cartoon. And, well, the... Will Smith is a cartoon, too, because he's CGI. But not in this part, because he's actually walking around. So there are things to like about Aladdin. I am just sorry that this will be the Aladdin that some kids will see first. That was very PC of you. Well done. Thank you. Yeah, yeah the uh, animated one is much better, and you could probably say that. But, but no, there there are issues with, and I had, I've had them since the early 90s, yeah. about the original Aladdin, and this does make, it corrects them, but the original is better. Well, they have a female empowerment song. Uh, that's the only new song. Midway, and that's the new song that'll be wanting to... Bless you. Bless you. It's so many that's allergies very nice. right now. So you. many allergies right now. But uh, so so there's some issue with that. People thought it was like tacked in. Go, just, just go watch John Wick 3, Parabellum. I saw John Wick 3. And? And... Visually, it was stunning. Yes. It was... I think 2 is better. I I, I like 2 a little bit better. Because they did the same thing yeah. with, the, with the House of Mirrors. They, yeah. they had already done that in 2. And it leads right in... At least with 1 and 2, you thought, okay, this is it. Especially 1. And then 2 is like, okay, they could do a third one. This one leads directly into 4. I, I mean, the last... I don't want to give anything away as a spoiler. No, but you're fine. The, the whole, you know... Re- the whole reflective scene at mm-hmm. the end and seeing through walls and the and the graphics that are painted on the glass, mm-hmm. you know, the computerized graphics. I mean, visually, I was just in awe or the uh, one fight scene where they're in that uh, looks like a, a warehouse. Mm-hmm. It's real absence of light and very um, beautiful, like antique pieces that they're just smashing. And visually I was taken aback by how gorgeous it was because I know what kind of film I was going to go see. It's John Wick. <laughs> but but it, you know what I mean? It was like I was having a hard time paying attention to the chore- uh, choreographed fights, which I love, mm-hmm. because it was so beautiful. And Halle Berry is yeah. dancing on screen with her dogs. And, and the dogs are great. The dogs are great in this movie. I love the dogs. They were and now I need, I have one shepherd, so mm-hmm. now I feel like I need two, so I can walk around. You can walk around. Um, you can hide your weapons in there. Yeah. I, I was a big fan of John Wick 1 because I, you felt for him, mm-hmm. you know, when his dog dies. Yes. I mean, really going to kill a, a puppy mm-hmm. to me. Oh, I just gave it away, didn't I? Don't let, Every, I, everyone knows that John Wick is. But, you know what I mean? For me, though, that whole underworld and how things work I feel like 2 is describing all of it to us. Right. You know what I mean? But I don't know if I wanted to see all of that. I'm kind of one of those Angelica people like... Houston? Yeah, I want to see the suggestion of mm-hmm. and not like well, the, everything the, Each one gets further into that world. Yeah. They, they are creating a universe. The commercials, I must admit, I think I've seen most of one. I didn't see two. But these are movies I would be interested in if I ever find time. Right. But I must admit the commercials for three have been very appealing for some you've seen randomly on TV, they've really, you know, got yeah. my interest. Well, if um, you saw most of one, you've seen. Yeah, so I know the world, so I know right. how to enjoy it. But um, you know, I like the commercial. It's right. my contribution to this conversation. But that—that's fine. I appreciate the mystery, though, of who he worked for. I, I just what's his like, real name? Yeah, and I feel like sometimes that's what what I get disappointed in in film. Mm-hmm. 
and the writing is explaining everything. There, there's so much more character development in the absence of explanation, I think. I don't know. I guess I'm too old. I know. Yeah. Well, no, that's why we have uh, uh, instructions on shampoo bottles now because, <laughs> you know, you have to explain everything to everybody. And, no, I like that, too. I like when your your mind gets a go in there and stuff. But I still don't like endings where you, it's left to your imagination. Yeah. Or, but think about the beginning oh. of, of, okay. Go ahead. Episode four. Okay. A New Hope. A New Hope. You had no idea who Princess Leia was. You had no idea. You just I, know that she was, it was a small yeah. ship running from a big yeah. ship. That's all you knew. Mm-hmm. You didn't know who Ben was. You had no clue where Darth Vader came from. It, you don't know why. You she's don't know run, why. You don't know what these stupid plans are that they're talking no. about. You don't find that out until halfway and through that, the film. That mystique, I think, is where the magic is. And then, if you think about it now, after that scene... Star Wars slows down for a for about twenty minutes. Yeah, yeah. It, it's not like that. <laughs> it is the expositors. Okay, and so what did you say? Uh, being frank. Okay, being frank. Uh, that's the Jim Gaffigan one that they they sent me the old password so I could watch it. But um, it is him. Uh, his his he's got one of those teenage boys that he's trying to reprimand and and make examples and, and ground. So the boy sneaks out for this music festival that he really wants to see, and he discovers that his dad is in a, is in the same town, and he has another family. Mm-hmm. I've seen this movie. Did you? Oh! I, I saw it at the Cleveland Film Festival. Okay. And? Well, tell us about it. Jim Gaffigan. I, I liked it well enough that he gets, you know, there gets to be too much of him fast, but he did, he does kind of fit this role as this manic liar. <laughs> uh, the kid was good, so it was it was pleasant enough entertainment. I'd forgotten all about it. Does he do the Jim Gaffigan side voice like hot pockets? Like, no, 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 no. Okay, fine. Like that. I, That's my favorite. I like Jim Gaffigan, and I've seen all the specials, and so I said, hey, you know what? He's clean. He's one of the few comedians that are one hundred percent clean. Doesn't do a lot of blue stuff, except this new Amazon one. He gets a little blue. He also does ten minutes on horses, but I brought my daughter. She's 15, and, you know, she likes stand-up. Her favorite, she loves John Mulaney. I'm like, oh, maybe she will enjoy Jim Gaffigan. Five minutes in, she said, I'm out. My wife and I are like, why? And she's like, he doesn't He doesn't appeal to me. And I said, okay. I And I said, and then he did 10 minutes on horses. I'm like, you would have loved the horse stuff. And she's like, no, I wouldn't. <laughs> I listened to the horse routine. It, he even makes fun of me. He's like, He's I, like I bet you think I'm going to keep talking about horses. And you he know? does. Yeah, it does, and, and it keeps does, going. And, does, yeah. and for a seventy-five minute special, I thought it was—it's—it's it's Jim Gaffigan. He's an affable guy. He's a nice guy. So does he translate well to this film? It does. He does it work does. in this man. You know, he's not uh, one of the main characters, but there's a bunch of characters and two dueling families, and the son is actually secretly gay. So there's a lot of <laughs> stuff going on there that all gets wrapped up in the end. Well, Gaffigan has has chosen some roles that are very different. He's in that. But Hollywood movie. doesn't know what to do with. Yeah, Gaffigan. no, they don't because he's written those books. Dad is fat, and he's got five kids, and he talks about that. <laughs> yeah, that's and, in the same and, and, and so, so it's in all of his same. There's stand-up a gap special. in the dad bod market since Philip Seymour Hoffman is gone, so he just just slipstream right. But into he that. also talks about yeah. how he looks like Philip Seymour yes. Hoffman a lot. So he should slipstream right into that role and get back into being demonic. Well, he's in the one about the Pentecostal uh, obscure sect with the with the snakes. Them that follows, he plays one of the oh, he plays right. yeah. he plays the husband of Olivia Coleman, 
and he's also in that movie about the uh, the inspiration for Rocky called Chuck. Yeah. That's got uh, Lee Shriver, or how do you say Lee that? Yes. Lee Shriver. And uh, he's one of the bad guys in it, kind of like he's like coked up and stuff in it. And then anti type. And yes. what's the movie where he's moving, like he's the brother in law or something, and they're moving and he sees a Boston Market. And she goes, Ooh, Boston Market. What's that movie? Oh, I, I know what you're talking about. I just, I just saw that. Yeah, he's um, just like the relative who's helping the guy move. Mm, I can't, can't remember, remember, but he's yeah. in all these little tiny. He's the you know, Randy Quaid. <sighs> yeah, Randy speaking Quaid. of whatever, whatever. And yeah. since we started with a music film, let's end with the music film Echo in the Canyon. Lynn loved this movie. No, he didn't. I know. Yeah. Oh, you're saying <laughs> I'm oh, saying, saying that facetiously. Yes. Okay. Well, there's all these really good documentaries out now, like the Linda Ronstadt one and the David Crosby one. This one is by Jacob Dylan whose dad is Bob. And he was a wallflower. And um, that Laurel Canyon music scene, that was like my jam in, in college and high school, you know. And, and, and David Crosby talks about it as well. And he's really good in it. And so they go through the canyon and they talk about, you know, it's Joni Mitchell and James Taylor and Carol King and Jackson Brown and, you know, all those people from the mid uh, Buffalo Springfield in the early years. They have Neil Young in it. Uh, but... They have this modern arc, and with Tom Petty's last interview. Yeah, but Beck, who I love, is in it, and Jacob Dylan, and then two women—I forget their names—but anyway, they're music people now, and they go through all these album covers and they talk about mm -hmm. music. But then they do this concert, and the new stuff isn't needed. Why are these people reflecting? Well, they're saying that they that. Laurel Canyon is still a place that people can come to and create music. Or, you didn't get that. Yeah, yeah I know. But I and mean, Jacob people, Dylan wanted to be in the movie. Yeah, Jacob Dylan wanted his... the wallflowers. Yeah, yeah. he wanted Why his take, like, so it's too much of that. And not enough of the the stuff like the Crosby. You saw the Crosby movie? Did you see it? David Crosby. It's, he, oh, yeah. he hates himself. So, it's really well done. In, in 20 years of going to film festivals, I've been, I've been shut out of films two times. Once was The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Mm -hmm. got shut out of a 1,200-seat theater. I couldn't get a seat. And the second was just this past spring, I couldn't get a seat to Echo in the Canyon at the Cleveland Film Festival. But I think the cachet of, of Jacob Dylan and all the people in it made it a very desirable And Tom Petty's. That, that's, how yeah. they were, that's how they were marketing it. Tom Petty's last. But day. I feel better. That I saw something else instead that I liked a lot and have invited to the film festival. And if I would have seen this instead and been like, ah, I don't deal with documentaries anyway. So <laughs> the universe was kind. Yeah, it's just, it, I was so looking forward to it. And that's another thing Ron talks about meeting your expectations. This does not do that. All right, yeah. uh, quickly before we head out, uh, the big movie news this week Apple TV is coming out. Four ninety nine a month. And they're going to do. Their streaming model is going to be, they're going to release, they're going to binge, but they're going to release one show a month. And so, like, the morning show with Reese Witherspoon, that will come out one month. And then the next show, the uh, other one that they're going to do, that will come out the next month. And so, they're going to have a lot of content. They're just going to release it differently than Netflix or Disney. Disney's going to do the weekly thing. Disney's going to do it. Uh, Mandalorian will come out the first day, and then you're going to have to wait and then it's going to be weekly. What? Wait for another episode? Yes. That's bizarre. 
Well, there'll be so much Disney stuff going on. And then uh, Disney announced. So Haley Steinfeld, just uh, she's doing a show on another streaming service, but they are in talks to having her on Disney Plus as Kate Bishop, who everyone thought was in Avengers Endgame, but it was not. It was Hawkeye's daughter. And Kate Bishop is going to probably be played by Academy Award nominee and Pitch Perfect 2 and 3 singer Haley Steinfeld. Oh, you do not do you no, like I that casting? I think it, I think she's great. I, I think that yeah. The more I think about it, I think that fits. Don't you? Yes, yeah, I, 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 I think it. it's I great. It. Once again, as our buddy Max said, Marvel is amazing in the casting. They are, they are. Chris, uh, the Golden Anniversaries that the Cinema St. Louis is doing wraps up this weekend. So tell us about that. Um, it is. Our, we did started this last year uh, for films from 1968. So these are films that were big, huge Hollywood classic hits from that year. We did a series last year, and this year these are films that were big, huge hits from 1969, including um, They Shoot Horses, Don't They, um, Easy, uh, Easy Rider, Rider um, Midnight Cowboy, Midnight Cowboy, and I'm, I'm like, I don't know the names, <laughs> uh, but it's been a nice series, and we're able to do it for free, um, because these are, you know, kind of out in the wild films have been on for us, so we're able to do it for free at the public library to get as many people seen as possible. There's always a um, <clears throat> presenter, like yourself, um, that gives some background on the film and has hosts a Q and A afterwards. So it's with, with Peter Fonda passing away, it was very timely yeah. yes. when yeah. you guys announced that, yeah. and then it's like he he wanted to give you guys a little more publicity <laughs> because of the virtue of what we do and have so many different events. We've, um, with the exception of the showcase, um, we we have had and will have a film from 1969 at all of our events, including Q Fest, where we had um, a crazy Japanese new wave black and white film from. Suicide is Painless is the song. Right. Was it nominated for an Oscar? I think it might have I been. I think it was yeah. nominated for uh, about writing. <laughs> Maybe yeah. directing, too. I don't know. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, that that's just great. So, Golden Anniversaries this week. I know Sunday is Women in Love. Yes. At 1 o'clock at the library. 1.30. 1.30. Okay, for free. And then what's tomorrow? I mean, not tomorrow. What's uh, Saturday? Do you know? I don't. 
can't remember. I wrote them all down, remember? Yeah. And now we're... I built the website and I can't remember. <laughs> okay, <laughs> well, go, ahead in alphabetical well order. go to cinemastlouis.org. Is, is it they shoot horses out there? No, that's for the film festival. Because Tom's oh, going right, to do that, right. and I'm going to do Alice's Restaurant. I don't Another I food one. I love that one. Yes, which they never show anymore, so I'm so happy that... They show it, like TCM shows it around Thanksgiving. Yeah. yeah. I, well, have, I have a whole list of films like that that I really that want. That you want. Yeah, but it might just be us. <laughs> there. Yeah. yeah. Alice's Restaurant is not very good. Oh, it's Arthur Penn, and it's counterculture, and it's Arlo, mm -hmm. but being you, Arlo. Arlo. Yeah. Yes, but the song is 16 minutes, and they stretch out the song, which is way too long, into an hour and a half. And Matthew Broderick's father's one of the, the, the uh, married to Alice. So as we wind up today, I'm going to tell the story why we are doing this on a Wednesday instead of a Thursday okay, or Friday. Tell so us. why we were not, we're not able to see and talk about the J-Lo stripper movie, Hustler. Which a lot it's, it's hustlers, hustlers. So no, it's, it's not not yes, the magazine, not the magazine, and not <laughs> the Minnesota Fats movie. No, the hustler. Okay, so uh, a friend of mine who lives in Orlando, he was at a bar and there was a dad joke off. It was it was a stand up night, and so the, it was nothing but dad jokes, and so eleven people in a round robin tournament, and my friend Jack won. I would have gone down to go see him, but it was in the middle of the hockey playoffs. And so I actually watched it uh, between periods uh, on Facebook Live. So Thursday, September 12th, my friend Jack scheduled to defend his title at this place in Orlando to go do the, the return of the dad joke off. And because of Hurricane Dorian, they had to cancel it. Only five people had registered. So I was going to go down there. As my wife and his wife said, I was, I, they were importing a heckler. And so I was going to come down and I was going to stay in Orlando for like 36, 36 hours because uh, Frontier, if you don't bring a bag, it's like 70 or $65. And I wasn't going to be a bag. I was only going to be there. I would bring a change of clothes in a computer bag and just stay there and come back. So once the joke off got... Uh, canceled, they said, are you still coming down? I'm like, I bought my ticket yesterday. And they said, okay, I guess we'll have to take you to Galaxy's Edge then. Oh, okay. So I am going to be at Galaxy's Edge Star Wars Land on Friday morning at Rope Drop. Normally Disney has something called Extra Magic Hours where you stay on property and you get in at 8 instead of 10. But with Galaxy's Edge... It is extra, extra magic hours if you're staying on property or know someone that works there. And you get at 6 o'clock in the morning. They, you get in line at the beginning of Hollywood Studios, and they walk you back. And by 6.17, you are driving the Millennium Falcon. Oh, I, I did that. I want to be you. Summer. This, this Can summer, I be you? Yeah. Just for that weekend. Yes. yes. We, we did that. We and, but, just went to Disneyland and we were able to do that in California. And? And, and I cried. I, I, I got choked up because they did an amazing job. You with, feel like you were there. Yeah. and, and But the model mm -hmm. of the Millennium Falcon, there were people, there were adults that were kind of crying and you know, putting a kiss, kiss on the side, I did. It was mm -hmm. like a holy shrine of sorts. And then getting to fly it 
Now, what were what was your uh, job? Um, I was the gunner. Okay. And pew, I was pew, pew, I pew. was upset because I wanted to be a pilot. Mm-hmm. And I think I, well, with my it's, it's random, right? Yeah. No, yeah, they do, but you can switch. Sometimes if there's younger kids, they kind of they want give, a pilot. Yeah, they give them pilot. I heard nav- I heard navigators the worst. The what? Navigators the oh, worst. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And it it is such a realistic simulator. Like you can feel like ah, you know, you feel the pit of your stomach and. It's so much fun. Um, I was ready to rough around kids to get to do, know, go again. Yeah, to go I again. believe my flight doesn't leave until five o'clock. So, because of the early extra, we extra extra, we think we're going to be able to ride it two or three times. Oh, you have to. You have to. But that's the only ride there. Rise of the um, uh, Rise of the Resistance doesn't start till December fifth. And it, it's a very convincing area when you go in. Mm-hmm. They've they've done a really great job, at least in, in California, about concealing anything that might look like, you know, a drink. That's and, what Walt and wanted. So, yeah, and soda stand, and and it, it it's just it's. Ula's Cafe. Oh man, and the lighting at night is complete. It looks so much different at night than during the day. During the day, I was like, oh, this looks great, but at night, wow. I'm yeah. well. I, technically, I will be there at six yeah. o'clock in the morning before the sun is up. So. I will have the twilight of that. And that is why we're doing this on Wednesday. Uh-huh. It's going to be fun. I would say that's well, a good reason. It is a good reason. And uh, I think I met that guy. I think you introduced me to him at one of the... Yes, I brought, ones. Yeah. I brought him to uh, like Toy Story 3. Yeah. I took the Disney people to a Disney movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're like, we never get yeah. to do this. But I think wasn't it yeah, the, the airplanes one, the one that was the planes. Uh, Fire yes. and Rescue? No, no, no. The one that... Planes? The yeah. spinoff of Cars. Yeah. Well, they, yeah, yeah. there are two planes, and the second one is actually a lot better than the first one. The first one is not good at all. The second one's much better. Yeah, very interesting guy. Well, that is very cool that you have friends that let you do stuff like that. And and Chris wants to be me. My wife yes. is like, uh, you get to go down there before your wife and daughter get to go down there. Just remember that. But that, once again... That was not the intention of my 36-hour trip. I was going down there to support my friend with the slight hope that that could happen, but not the intention. I, I feel better that your wife and daughter are more filled with rage than <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but Liz got to go already. I'll I tell you what, the, the small child inside of me, came was, out. it came out, and it was, it was emotional. It was very emotional. I know it sounds silly if you're not no, a it's not. Star Wars fan and they listening, but... Our buddy Jim Tudor's teaching a class right now at Webster, and I got I was I oh, spoke yeah. I spoke on Tuesday and to what, talk did, about what was your collecting oh, collecting. collecting, and I wore a lot of I wore your the, stuff. You wore your shoes. I, well, I wore the new pair of shoes because I'm going to wear those too. He got the film on Saturday is the Wild Bunch. Ah, <gasps> okay, yeah. thank you. Thank okay, you. so the, when the Wild Bunch came out, it was very controversial, but if you watch it now, it's really slow, except for the beginning <laughs> and the end. And it's tame compared to what it was now. Well, but back then, Peck and Paul, mm-hmm. yeah. whoa! Because I remember, was... I remember in high school, getting my friends. I'm like, we gotta watch the Wild Bunch. It's so violent. And then, like an hour into it, you said this was going to be violent. It's it, I, it it's a period piece of a period piece, you know, because it's old west. But then it's not, it's not, it's 1960s violence. It's not, it's. It, for the '80s kids, it was not violent enough, especially when like you're getting predators and Rambo's and all that stuff. Speaking of Rambo, uh, I don't think they're going to show us the new one. Last Blood. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think they're showing us that. <laughs> well, there are three of them. there. Are, no, there are four of them. There, it's it's first 
Blood, and then Rambo First Blood Part 2, and then Rambo 3, and then the next one's just called Rambo, and then this one is Rambo Last Blood. Rambo waiting in line at the VA. Rambo, oh, sorry. No? I just, yeah, I mean, I, oh man, I couldn't, the first one, I really liked. It, but the second but, one's when it blew up, right? Yeah. I have never seen any of them. What? Because... I was oh. I was on I was 15 when it came out, so I never got. But all my friends got, had it on VHS. My mom's like, "You're not watching that." And then Moms, I, I want to date. I want on yeah. dates with girls rather than well, watching trailers Raiders. and stuff. You've seen over time. You've virtually seen it. Well, yeah. I, I do know the I do know the, the story. Yeah. I, through osmosis, I've learned the story that, and I've heard the speech that he. It's a great speech that he gives about how when he came back he got spat on. And I, it, and there are four writers on the first one, and Sylvester Stallone is one of them, and he is capable of delivering a good screenplay. It's a mashup of Rocky and Predator. And there you go. That's all you need to know. <laughs> all right. I like. Uh, I went to see Bobcat years ago. Bobcat Goldthwait. Yeah, I love Bob. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was making shakes the clown. <laughs> oh, I love shakes the clown. <laughs> I, Bobcat is my spirit animal, um, but Bobcat was making fun of Rambo, and you're like, you know, and his commanding officer goes, you know, okay, we're sending you in. He goes, we won't have any guns or you know artillery. He's like, well, we're sending you, you know, you're gotta go. And he's like, oh, but I'm gonna be. I won't have anything. He goes, look, you know, it's all in your mind. It's the power in the mind. He goes, wait a minute, we're sending you in unarmed. I laugh so hard. I love Bobcat. Then he's talking about how. <laughs> Sylvester Stallone was teaching girls volleyball, you know, during the Vietnam oh, conflict. Right. You know, so he goes, something about it, I just want him to get mad at me and punch me so that every day I could walk out to the mailbox, get my, get my check. check. <laughs> Catch up on some Flintstones. <laughs> I love that. But anyway, so All right. I digress. Let's talk about Tenacious Eats on socials. Where can they find you? They can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Your Facebook page is really well done. Thank you. Thank you. We, we try to make it action-packed. Tenacious. You just have to learn how to spell tenacious. I have to spell it all the time. Um, well, not you. I'm talking about the people listening. Oh, yeah. Um, our But our fans call themselves Teats fans. Nice. And they've even made teats. t-shirts. Teats. Um, I have special t-shirts because of our Teats fans um, that have fried eggs on the front. Oh, yeah, your queen teats. Nobody <laughs> messes with my teats. Um, uh, we are not ruled by FCC. <laughs> you can say Just FYI. No, she's, yeah. It's better to be coy. And Chris, Cinema St. Louis on socials. Uh, we have a, different events have different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually Cinema STL, STL Film Fest, um, all over you know, Facebook, Instagram, Sliff. Sliff yeah. Mm-hmm. But Cinema St. Louis has, the main website has links to everything. Yes, yeah, sure, sure. And you're a man about town. So you're at quite a few functions, right? Yes, uh, this weekend will be interesting. And then uh, the following weekend, I told us earlier, I'm going to my 40th high school reunion. Wow. So very and busy so time. Since you're one of the busiest time of year. So yeah, you're one, St. Louis. Slew, you're one of the slew film mafia guys. Yeah, St. Louis University High School. Indeed. I'm one Jesuits. Of mm-hmm. That's right. That helped shape my mind. Yes, well, we're big fans of some of those people. So The Gun well, Boys. And, and also Ken Quapas. Well, Lee George Hickenlooper. Yes. Brian Holfeld. Yes. The list goes on. Chris Clark. Right. John Gunn. Yes. And didn't you swim for the school? I swam up Lake Waterfall. Yeah. There you go. We were state champions. I was at a, I was at a birthday party yesterday for a 16-year-old who is on the St. Louis University High School junior Billiken swim team right now. 
Excellent. It all so comes from the circle. tradition. Yeah, it all comes down. The, okay, so um, Lynn Venhaus, I also do theater, but you can find me in the Times newspapers, Webster Kirkwood Times, South County Times, and West End Word, and those are for reviews. And then now I'm doing some features for them. And then I'm on KTRS every Thursday night with Jay and Ray. And then we're here every week. week. And then, you know, I have all my little side gigs, but. I will one. I just want to end with one thing. Mm -hmm. It is worth the time and the money to go to the rep to see Angels in America. Okay. Parts one is running now. Part two starts Friday. Uh, Perestroika. They have this heavyweight cast, but the technology that they have employed for this is incredible. And um, they have uh, Barrett Foya. And Ben Cherry, two very well-known actors, Barrett's on NCIS, Los Angeles, LA, and Ben Cherry, and they are fantastic. And how is Meredith Baxter? She's good, but you know that part, that mom part? Is, is that the Meryl Streep part? Yeah, yeah, that's the Meryl Streep part, and she's Ethel Rosenberg, the ghost of, and she plays a couple other things. It's not demanding like the other ones are. You know, it's just one of those but parts. But she's a got a seven-hour play. Yeah, she's got a marquee name. And so, therefore, she handles herself well. She blends in. She doesn't stand out. Like, you know, Peter Frechette is uh, from 30-something uh, uh, Emmy nominee, mm -hmm. and he is Roy Cohn. He is ferocious. So I highly recommend Go it. It's it. three hours. People stood up right away. Right away. <laughs> Intermission? No, no, no. You. Oh, first of all, Three 50-minute acts and then two intermissions in okay. between. So, but I mean, it was so powerful. People were cheering. Well, my name is Carl Middleman. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at underscore Carl the Intern. You can also hear me on the Intercom family of radio stations, KMOX, KFTK, Y98. Yeah, you won't hear me on KZK or now, but I, I'm, I'm in the studio playing your favorite hits when I'm in there. And you can also hear me on Max on Movies every Saturday night on KTRS when we are not interrupted for Memphis sports, Redbirds. The Memphis Redbirds. And thank you very much, Lynn. Say bye. Yeah, bye. Thanks for coming, everybody. Thanks so much. It was fun.